This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. From Christianity Today, this is The Art of Pastoring. I'm Jared Wilson. And I'm Ronnie Martin. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. How are you, Ronnie Martin? What's going on, Jared C. Wilson? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. We, we've had, uh, like a lot of people, the winter storm come through here. For sure. And I think it's in the rearview mirror. I, I read this morning that there's parts of the south and the northeast that are about to get hammered. So well, by the time people yeah. hear this, it might have already landed or just landed. So certainly praying for all our neighbors. I got family in Texas that have been a few days yeah. without power and water. And it's, it's just, not, not it's good just out crazy. There. I know it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. I know. So we're getting hit, but not in a, not in a way where we're, you know, worried about our electricity getting shut off and all of those kind of extreme things. So I know it's concerning when you have friends around the country that are like, man, I'm really, I'm, I'm afraid right now because this right. is, this is really difficult. We don't know. We don't know when it's all going to play out, you know? Well, and even I've seen some churches are trying to kind of rally and, and, and be a resource to help others. But yeah, uh, you know, churches with no power and saw a friend yesterday pipes burst at their church and so the whole church was flooded and so even oh, some man. of the churches are finding themselves hobbled because they don't you know exactly have the infrastructure to help but yeah for sure there's always people resources which is a good um segue i guess people resources to yeah. talk about today's subject transition do your yeah. magical transition i, I know i'm the king of the awkward transition um <laughs> which is i think part of introversion maybe uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> here it comes social awkwardness no i don't know if it, it is, is or not. No, it, i think it is i would agree with that yes <laughs> we're only what 16 episodes 17 episodes in but i'm surprised it took us this long to get to this subject because we are really kind of polar opposites when it comes to this kind of social Totally. Uh, identity, I guess. or <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's fascinating, too, that we are and we're doing this. But I yeah. it, I, I like I like kind of how it sets us up, though, and it gives us a strength, right? And you're going to talk about that. You would consider yourself a, an extrovert, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And, and I would definitely consider myself an introvert. And we're each actually married to the opposite. Yes. Would that be correct? Is, is yeah, Melissa yeah. an introvert? Melissa is a is an introvert for sure. Yeah, and my wife is the embodiment of extroversion. <laughs> <laughs> well, and tell tell everybody what it looks like when the four of us are together. <laughs> yeah, when well, we have this ongoing group text, the four of us, <laughs> which basically usually amounts to you and Becky just going back and forth, We're literally just chatting <laughs> while you guys all, are like in the background yeah, somewhere. All all caps, exclamation <laughs> points. Little emojis, and then every now and then me and Melissa will pop in and say something, a little word or yeah, two. <laughs> we appreciate that. You guys just check in on us. Make sure we're doing okay. Make sure <laughs> make sure we're not like just talking over each other and getting into some big thing, right? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the definition. You brought something up in kind of the pre-show that I think is important because I think the stereotype 
the definition is that extroverts enjoy being with people and introverts do not. Introverts are not right. people persons. Yeah. And they don't like to be with people. I suppose that can actually be the case. I'm sure people who tend to not enjoy being with people probably do tend to be introverts. But that's not really the working definition or the proper definition of it, is it? How would you define or kind of give the shape of your own extroversion? The best way I've heard it described is that it's not so much that you are a people person or not a people person as much as it is, do people give you energy in life? So my wife is an introvert. Here's the best way to describe it for me. She's an introvert. She likes being around people, but she just has a very small tank for how much she can be around people yeah. before it completely depletes her. Whereas I, I like being around people too. I just have a much larger tank and it actually gives me energy. Whereas being around people, even though she likes it, it really saps her energy. So, And I would totally agree with that. That's my experience as well. Um, I would say as I get older, I find it more difficult to do the kind of get to know you introductory chit chat I really enjoy being with people that I know and am, mm. am friends with and have already kind of developed relationships with. And I can do that a long time, actually. Like, I have a group of friends that I've been buddies with for going on 30 years now, actually. Mm. And we get together usually once a year in Houston and hang out all night long. And it always ends too soon for me. Like, we start about 7 p.m. and we finish with breakfast at IHOP. We stay up all night and we grill out. Wow. And, sit around the fire and, and, and just catch up. And we pick up just like we never left off every time we start. And when right. it's time for breakfast, I'm just like, ah, oh, I could do another half a day with these guys. So that's not really depleting to me. It, it, yeah. it, it is life-giving to me. I find it more difficult as I get older. It takes more out of me to engage with people that I do not know to kind of kind of begin those conversations. But in general, I, I like being with people. I like having conversations that, especially that aren't superficial conversations. But in general, yes, my introversion means I have a limit. I have a tank that gets yes. that gets depleted. Whereas, I, I, you know, I don't know if this is true for you. I imagine it would be. But our pastor, Pastor Nathan, is a crank to 11 extrovert. He's, he's mm. always like, where's the party? He hates it when people are leaving. And he's so fired up with people, they give him energy that it's hard for him to be alone and to, you know, yeah. to be isolated. Where for me, like, it's no problem at all to be alone. I would be somewhere in between you and Nathan. Okay. So I have limit. I'm older than Nathan, right? So <laughs> yes. I have, I, yeah, I have, thanks for affirming that so quickly. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> much, much older. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Not that much older. Come on. Maybe a decade. So I, I do have limit, and I have limits and my extrovertedness has definitely become more limited like as I've gotten older. So I can turn it up to 11 when I need to, but I also am depleted a little bit more quickly than I was when I was Nathan's age and okay. even 10 years younger than Nathan. So yeah. it's definitely decreased for me. So I think where it's kind of ended up for me in terms of, and you brought up like in terms of being a pastor, because you have to make those initial connections with people often. Yeah. And so I think, I think what, what I'm able to do is I'm able to turn it on 
And again, I don't mean that in a way where it lacks authenticity, but I'm able to turn it on when I need to and say, hey, there's some energy here. I want to hear your story. I want to get together and we'll hang out. It'll be fun. It'll be good. But I found that through the years, it's a little more of something where I have to be very intentional about it. And I have to, in a sense, flip a switch because I don't have nearly as much of that sort of naturally built into me like it used to be. Well, let's talk about that. You've made the segue into the ministry context, which is what this podcast is all about, I suppose. Introversion, extroversion, in terms of pastoral ministry, how do you see your, your own extroversion playing out in the context of ministry? What are some of the advantages you might perceive and what are maybe some of the challenges? Yeah, I definitely think there's both. So I think for me, I have a very welcoming kind of presence. I'm kind of invitational. So when I walk into a room, I see people, I notice people in the margins, in the corners, I'm able to draw them out and bring them in. I like doing that. It's not a big thing for me to do that. So I think in some of those ways, I can kind of keep some energy alive and up, keep things moving. And for those people that are introverts, I can compensate for their introvertedness a little bit, especially when we're we're in a room and you're trying to kind of create a a bit of a mood or a culture within the room. I think I can operate in some good ways in terms of that. I think there's two ways that, that it becomes challenging. I think the first one is that I got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. So if I'm with extreme (laughs) introverts, they're going to find my extrovertedness a little too much to take at times. So I need to, I need to have a balance of how much of that extrovertedness I put out. So there's some wisdom I think that comes into that a little bit with me. And then I think too, I need to know where my tank is at because I can just sort of extrovert myself to death and then need an entire day to recoup from it because it just, it became too, I went over and above where my tank is actually at. Whereas I feel like my wife is an introvert. Um, she's so aware of, of, of where she's at in terms of her depletion that she just moderates it far better than I do. So she never gets to a place where she's too tapped out. I mean, on occasion, because that's what we do. Whereas I'm just so, I can be so out there that I'll finish up a day or a night of my extrovertedness. And it's like, okay, I need a vacation because I just completely, <laughs> okay. I just I totally tap myself out. Sometimes I can tap other people out and then I can tap my own self out. So I think those are some of the the pluses and the minuses for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned being able to mitigate your own impact on introverts, being able to oh, kind man. of rein yourself in. I was on a ministry trip recently and there was this fellow who I'm assuming he's an extrovert. Apparently we had met before, but I, I didn't remember meeting him before. At least, uh, and, and I think that I would have because the way he was acting was so overbearing, <laughs> like grab, like physically grabby, jokey as if we're buddies right off the start, taking okay. food off of my plate. What? Are and you sure I, that wasn't me? Are you no, it wasn't, about me? it wasn't you. I wanted to murder him. And, oh. and, he, and, he, and he could tell, like, he's picking up, like, I'm shriveling. It, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I want to be in a different hemisphere from this guy. I I do too. (laughs) And he could totally pick it up. Yes. In his mind, he's bringing the party. Later, as I'm processing, I'm like, this guy, he's thinking, I'm here to have fun. I want to have fun. I'm grabbing you and we're going to have fun together. So in his brain, there's something else that in my brain, we're not on the same page. And I just think extroverts and introverts bring a different sensibility, not just 
personality yeah. type, but even how they relate to other people. Yeah, 100%. I wonder if you'd agree my perception that one of the dangers of, of extroversion is that you mistake your engagement with people as deep ministry or as sufficient ministry when really you're just kind of on the surface in conversation. You're kind of working the room, so to speak, but never really going deep. Now, that's not you because I know you and and you do go deep, but I wonder if that's just one of the dangers for extroverts is they can oh, mistake man. that, yeah. you know? I think it totally is. And I've fallen into that because sometimes you'll get into a scenario, a ministry scenario where you walk into a room and I think in some extra, maybe not all extroverts, but I'm able to very quickly sort of survey the room and kind of see where it's at in terms of mood and culture and all of those things. As an extrovert, I feel a pressure to carry the room Hmm. because the worst thing that can happen is that the room just settles into this awkward quietness. So awkwardness, it's like the seventh level of hell for an extrovert, (laughs) right? You know, whatever that, whatever that means. I think other extroverts that I've met that have been able to articulate that they're able to sort of function in the way that God has made them. I, I think it's a really good thing that we're able to sort of survey a room and to kind of keep some energy and kind of lift it up and out a little bit. But you have to read people well, too. Yes. You, know, you have to see somebody that is not necessarily responding so well to your, your extrovertedness <laughs> is creating an uncomfortable situation for them based on who they are. There just needs to be some wisdom applied, I think, in those situations. And you got to take people as individuals and not a group. Yeah, I've gotten myself into some trouble with that to where afterwards it's like, it's probably been like that scenario you have with that dude where it's like, oh, that guy wants to kill you, Ronnie. He literally, <laughs> he wanted to murder. He's so introverted. He just wanted to murder you. I mean, I, I typically am not taking food off of people's plates. I wait till like the second time we're hanging around to do that, you know? So yeah, whether somebody's feeling it or not. God is a genius storyteller. And the evidence of this is threaded throughout scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. It's interesting, though, that you mention feeling the awkwardness of the room, kind of the relational climate of the space and feeling the burden of having to carry that or change that. Because I felt that as a pastor, just because you're the leader, it wasn't virtue of any personality type because I'm introverted, but I don't like social awkwardness. That feels painful or, or disorienting to me. And when I would walk into a room, I would immediately feel the responsibility for how this is going simply because I'm the pastor. So I wonder if just how we work that out and how we manage that may be different. I think it's, it's, it's probably like if I had to guess because pastors have to kind of turn it on 
all right, now it's time to be relational or now it's time to kind yeah. of lead this space and these people. It's probably easier for the extrovert to turn that on than for the introvert. It probably is less impactful or, or less taxing for the extrovert than it is for the introvert. I felt that on Sunday afternoon, you know, mm. right after the service, we had these potlucks from Thanksgiving weekend all the way to Easter. So basically late fall, all the way through winter into early spring, we had after church, what we called Soup Sunday at my last church. And so, you know, you're the first one in the building. We had a long service. You're, you're, you're doing all the pastor stuff, including preaching a sermon, which for me is taxing. So I had to walk into this big room right after all of the emotional, physical, heavy lifting of the yeah. preaching and, and, and all the little ministry and the gaps of that, right? And then you walk into this big room of, of fellowship and on an empty tank. Yes. And it was something that I felt a huge responsibility for as a pastor. Like, I can't just go sit in a corner. And it's notable if I'm sitting with the same people every Sunday. And it's notable if I'm sitting, you know, whoever I sit with, if I'm with them for the next hour. So I, I have to, in some sense, work the room. Yeah. And I'm doing it on empty. Yes. And I would just do it. I would just would summon up, Lord help me, the strength <laughs> to do it. And then Sunday afternoon, by the time I get home, I'm a zombie. You're done. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I have an understanding wife who could sense what was going on and, and just knew, like, Unless there's an emergency, he's done. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, he's for done the, for the day. For the yeah. day. So I certainly would feel that. The danger for the introvert, I think, yes. is, is a pretty obvious one, which is that you just insulate and, and yeah. isolate yourself from people. You hole up in your study all yeah. week. You have to be intentional about who you're spending time with and making those meetings. But I also had to just kind of put guardrails to say, yeah. it's not a great idea for me to do wall-to-wall -wall meetings on any given day, because the second half of the day, those people are getting the worst of me. Totally. And, and then my family's getting even worse than that by the time I get home. So I've kind of have to like space out how I would do these kind of meetings that I knew were going to take an emotional yeah, toll. Emotional or kind toll. Of, yeah. yeah. And I think pastors need to feel the freedom to have a good diagnosis of who you are in those areas and be okay with saying, Hey, Appointments at this at these hours of the day aren't going to be great for me. I am somebody whose tank gets filled up pretty quick, so I need to put in good guardrails. I need to have particular moments of space and time kind of inserted into my schedule so that I can get the a good amount of rest so that with who God has made me, I can give the best version of myself to others. I think it's when pastors see their introvertedness as something that is negative instead of the way God has created them. And they, they push against it and they fight against it in an unnatural way. Then they crash instead of just saying, no, 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 this is who God made you. And it's okay. It's not a bad thing, but you need to be wise with it and work with it in a way that still is able to serve the benefit of others. And it sounds like you kind of, you, you kind of came to a place that was a little more like that. I think extrovertedness is the same way. It's, it's going to not serve other people if I'm not inherently aware of how I've been formed through that, right? So I think we just have to be really careful. I think the other way that it ends, the other way that it plays into, I want to hear your thoughts on this, is introverts typically, like one sermon can wipe them out, right? I've heard the old cliche, preaching a sermon is the equivalent of working eight hours. I'm not sure if yeah. I totally... 
believe that. <laughs> I don't but, either, um, but it feels like it, man. It does. Well, so here's what's funny. So it depends me, on the work, probably. <laughs> well, there's there is that. So sermon prep aside, preaching a sermon because I just enjoy being in front of people and speaking publicly. I feel energized after a sermon oh. rather than, than than tapped out. This is interesting. So sometimes people want to know about talking, yeah, talking to the preacher. And I'd be curious to know if you have any preference. So for me, come talk to me before I preach. Mm. But it's usually after. And I never send anybody away or anything like that. But it's just it's just harder. Okay. Because it is for me, preaching is it's a joy to do. I don't feel like it's a slog. But I feel empty mm. when I'm done. I feel like I, I've poured out and now I'm I'm empty. I've been filling up for this yeah. moment and I'm kind of laying it out, leaving it all out on the field, so to yeah, speak. For sure. And I don't want to engage deeply right after, which is why it's it's always the worst when people come and have critiques or something right after you've done it. Yeah. But even just ministry opportunities, which I would never begrudge at all. But I always find myself like having to prayerfully say, Lord, help me in this moment to be attentive, to give me wisdom because I feel I feel empty and mentally tired. Therefore, I'm not going to be given my best responses, my most thoughtful responses. So I need help in this moment. Yeah. But for you, it, it does it matter? Like if someone says, hey, should I talk to you before or after? Does that matter to you or do you have a preference? I do have a preference, so I would be the exact opposite. Of yeah, that. okay. Don't talk to me <laughs> before because I'm thinking about it and and yeah, yeah I preparing. Just, I, and, to me, it's incredible when somebody wants to engage with you 10 minutes before the service starts on something that's going to require an hour and a half conversation. <laughs> right, so, right. But I'm that's always, a separate issue than just... <laughs> well, it, it is, yeah. But um, so that that's one part of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little more guarded before and guarded in the sense that if it's something where I feel like it's going to negatively affect me. I'll say, hey, you know what? I meant if there's any way we could schedule time to talk about this or afterwards, that would be yeah. fantastic. So I am good with afterwards because when I finish preaching a sermon, there is some energy there. I am still a guy that takes a nap and crashes out in the afternoon, but it's only because I do sermon prep on Sunday morning and I'm up super early. So okay. for me, it's just more of a, of a thing where I get up about four in the morning and I, I prep for a couple of hours. So I'm just generally tired by the time you know, we get out of our service around noon, get home, 1230. So I, I've just, to me, it's like I've been working for about eight or nine hours at that point. I'm just tired. It's not because of the sermon itself or the preaching itself sort of taps me. It actually gives me energy. So I would rather have some conversations right after the service because I feel like I'm in a good mood and I feel like I'm I'm fully awake and I can engage. And so, yeah, before is a little more of where I'm like, I'm just trying to get into that headspace. I need to get into that headspace. That's so. interesting. I I wonder if that's an introvert extrovert thing because I, I wonder. I never yeah. I ne- never thought of that. But I did the same thing as well. Getting up four four thirty was typically the Sunday okay. morning get up time, and I would typically manuscript my sermons at that time. So you're right. There is just kind of the taxing, the fatigue of you've been up for a while and you've been working since early morning. The perception is, I mean, you just talk for 45 minutes or, you know, you just talk for 30 minutes. What's what's the big deal? Hopefully 30 minutes. Right, right. And they don't see everything that was going in that you did get up before the sun was up and you were toiling over this thing. But I wonder how introversion or extroversion plays into that. I would say that that plays in. Yeah, I would say I think that does play in for sure. There's no there's no way that that doesn't 
yeah. play in some way. Yeah. So practically speaking, when you're looking at your week, so just for the benefit of the extroverts who are listening, and then I'll take a yeah. turn, how do you look at your week, your schedule? What are some things, some practical tips you might give to the extroverts in terms of managing their ministry schedule? I think what we tend to do is we tend to be overly social. So what I can do is because I don't mind spending time with people, sometimes I'll overstack my days with with people things. And I, I mean, extroverts do have a tank and we do have limitations. I think that's the biggest thing with an extrovert is not knowing their limitations and pushing over that line consistently. Because when you're in the middle of it, it does give you a sense of life and adrenaline. But adrenaline, when, when when that adrenaline has disappeared, I mean, you can really, really crash hard. And I think knowing that and having some wisdom in that and being able to look in the mirror and really understand how you're affected and what your limitations are is super important because we can just push way, way too hard. That would be just some some counsel that I've had to give myself. My wife has helped me with that a lot. She said, hey, I know you like being with people, but why not stretch out your appointments? You don't have to stack them so heavy in yeah. one day. And I go, well, right. Let me, let me listen to that. Let me, let me receive that <laughs> wisdom. And it actually works out a lot better for me. And uh, because again, just because I'm an extrovert doesn't mean that my uh, physiologically and emotionally, I'm not changing through the years. I am. I have to sort of compensate for that and have a better, better idea of, of how I'm wired and how I'm built through the years. So how about you? Yeah. Yeah. It was helpful for me to think of my days somewhat thematically. So I tried to schedule, I mean, obviously ministry doesn't always stay in these perfect compartmentalizations <laughs> yeah, for sure. um, yes. and then, and things spill over. But I typically, I worked on Mondays. It was my most tired day, but I usually did admin kind of stuff. Lots of just kind of busy work and, and that yeah. sort of thing. I always had meetings on Monday nights, like discipleship meetings and elders meetings and that sort of thing. But Monday during the day was just kind of a solitary day. Yeah. There were pop-ins. I was in a rural context, so people would kind of pop in. But then I would schedule counseling appointments on Tuesdays, and I did visitation as well. I was in a context where visitation was a big deal. So I had you know, I had mm. widows and nursing homes and shut-ins, that kind of thing. And I would do my rounds on, on Tuesday. So any really emotionally heavy stuff or just relationally taxing stuff, I did it on Tuesdays. Wednesday sermon prep, I get out of the office, I'm by myself all day. Mm. So I got this buffer. Thursday was fun meeting day. I called it fun meeting day. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm with people, but it's not like a counseling session. It's I'm going to go right. visit so-and-so at their workplace, or I'm going to have lunch with a guy in the church or something like that. So I'm I'm hanging with people, but it, it tended to be people that it's not taking a toll. And that way I'm ending the week yeah. with good relationality. And so that was kind of helpful for me to kind of think of it that way. That's a good schedule. I that that's very similar to kind of how my weeks play out in a lot. And then of ways. I took, you know, took Fridays and Saturdays off uh, for my yeah. family so that on Sunday I was well rested and ready to kind of go at peak performance, I guess if you want to call it that. This was helpful to me to kind of talk it out because I'm just, you know, looking yeah, into the other too. world, the extroverted world, <laughs> how you people operate. I mean, I've got a a daily witness of this or observation of this with my wife. But, you do. Uh, I know your wife and you do. Yeah, you it's do. good kind yes. of, you know, seeing under the hood a little bit. I like how you just you peopled us as extroverts. Well, you, you literally just you, you people. <laughs> so that's cool. Well, yeah. you know, yeah, you people, you can say you people about us. That's fine. <laughs> you and my wife. Yeah, you people, you. 
you crazy introverts or you non-crazy yeah. introverts. Well, it's right? good. So now that we've done this, I, I'm, I'm not talking to anybody today. <laughs> no, actually, I have a meeting to get to and probably so do you. I only have four more meetings okay. today. So at, at the end of the day, you had two, I had six, and we're going to be equally okay. as tired. Good deal. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You have been listening to The Art of Pastoring. If you're liking the show, please take a minute and give us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps other people find us. You can find Ronnie and me on Twitter at, at Ronnie J. Martin and at Jared C. Wilson. Feel free to hit us up with questions and potential topics for the show. We'd love to hear from you. The Art of Pastoring is a production of Christianity Today. It's produced by Mike Cosper, editing by Mike Cosper and Aaron Leslie, mixing by Aaron Leslie. Our theme song is Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah by Jeremy Casella. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's M.A. in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu hdl.